Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Mark and Joy, and thank you, everybody here, all the leadership and the people of the church and those that are visiting here tonight. Just thank you so much for your welcome and just for having us here. It's just so good of you. Ann and I have thoroughly enjoyed our relationship with your pastor and his wife over the years. It's just been one of the privileges of our life. And we hear about this church a lot, people coming through. I regularly ask, where is God doing things? And the place I hear consistently about is this church here in Hastings. So you're a beacon light to many. And there's no wonder why. Just being here tonight, my goodness me. My goodness. What a, what a tremendous inspiration just to come. What a joy to be in that worship. What a thrill to be with people who will abandon themselves to God and say, God, just not words, but you're my all. You'll just give everything for him. It was wonderful to be with you, married folk, and thank you for that tremendous welcome and, and uh, what you did tonight. I thought how great God is. Comes into people groups all over the world. We're all a people group from somewhere. And God's changed our lives. Well, it's about 50 years now that I've been born again. I got born again in 59 in Australia when Billy Graham came by there. And I got saved. I grew up in the outback of Australia on a big cattle property. And I was 14 when I went into stock camps and started chasing wild cattle. Dad owned over a million acres up there and, and uh, it was all unfenced country. Uh, land went 70 miles one direction, 15 miles in the narrowest part across it, and 45 miles in the widest part. We boarded Arnhem Land for 45 miles on one boundary, and there was 250,000 square miles of country there. You could muster all of it if you wanted to. So that was where I grew up, and, and uh, wild cattle, fairly wild men, and um, pretty isolated. And, but when I came to Jesus Christ, it revolutionized my life. It took a long, long time to change my life. But the instant change was tremendous. And when I came to Christ, I didn't know much about Christianity at all. But somehow, innately, I knew you shouldn't swear. And I swore all the time. And I thought... The main thing I've got to get rid of is swearing, otherwise I'm not a bad bloke, you know. And when I got rid of swearing after a while, I was okay when things were going well. It was when the horse wouldn't go where I wanted him to go, or the cows wouldn't go through the dip or something like that. Or milking the cows, if a, if a cow just did its mess and it splattered all over me. That's when a volcano used to erupt inside of me. And, I'd feel like punching that thing. I was not a good dairyman. I was good with wild cattle, but I'd come down south. Dad had a second property down south. and Dad got killed, and I'd come down there to make it pay a bit more money. And I was down there. That's how come I got saved and went to Brisbane. Then I met Anne in Bible College. And so life went on. But I had a real quest in my heart to know God. I wanted to know him. Not about him, but I wanted to know him. I wanted to know, how do you know God? How do you hear him talk to you? How do you work with him? I didn't ever know he healed the sick until I had caught malaria, and that kills your brain cells. And it left me taking fits and going into comas virtually every day for a couple of years. And it's a terrible, terrible way to try and live your life debilitating, humiliating, just career off somewhere and have a fit and lie on the ground and go in a coma. And they couldn't heal me because my brain cells were dead. And that's where I started to read the Bible again. I saw Jesus heal the sick. And I said to my local Methodist minister, I said, why doesn't Jesus heal the sick today? And he said, well, we've got doctors now. I said, but they can't heal me. Because my brain cells are dead. And they say they can do nothing for me. And so my, our quest to find the God of power 
began. I wanted to know God. I've known a fair bit of sickness through my life. And, and if you have suffered a bit with sickness, platitudes aren't your answer. And whether or not the, some theology says that Jesus doesn't do miracles anymore, doesn't do anything for you. You need a God of miracles. You need a God who can help you. You need somebody who can get that power of God to me. And that's what, to at least quite a large extent, Anne and I have found over the years in our quest for God to know God, to how to hear God's voice. How do I live close to God? How do I have an intimacy with God Almighty? Why would a perfect, holy God ever walk with a man like me? What would attract God? All of these questions, for I was right at home in stock camps, branding, throwing wild cattle, chasing wild cattle through the bush. But walking with God was absolutely foreign to me. So I began to learn some of the ways of God. I wanted to know how God did things. And if I saw somebody do something that was supernatural, I wanted to know how did God do that for you? In what way were you so that God could do that? And my quest has brought me to this understanding that there is not one person in this room who can't move in the power of God if you do things in the right way. If you love God, if you submit your life to God, if you do just some of the ways of God, which we'll talk about over these few days, and your pastor is most excellent at speaking about, and you have a good pastor, a good church, you are blessed. And people are blessed to come here amongst you. It's rare to find, well, it's slightly uncommon to find a group of people who have a passion for God and who know what they're on about. Who do it with intelligence. <laughs> and uh, truly, who do it with an understanding. And uh, who are determined that I'm going to get there. That's a wonderful thing. The Bible makes all sorts of marvelous promises. And I memorized lots of them. In the early days, I couldn't make them work for me very much. But I believed they were true. Even if I couldn't see them working much, I believed these things were true. And I just had a quest in my heart, how do you make it work? So I've learned a very practical thing. There's some CDs and DVDs out there I brought. And if you're wise, you'd pick up a copy called The School of the Spirit. It's volume one and volume two. And now it's all there. It'll be worth every cent you ever give for that thing. It, it would change your life. I would have traveled the world twice over to get that information many years ago. But it's practical information. It's not theory. It works. Anyhow. And so does all the rest of it out there. So tonight I want to talk about one of the things that has so changed my life. And everybody in this room can practice it, thoroughly enjoy it, and thoroughly enjoy the communion with God that it will give you and the changed character that it will bring to you and the power that can be released through your life through doing this. I was up in Alaska. My life had gone through a very difficult period. And I'd come to the end of myself. I'd thought of just giving it away. I was distraught within. And I'd said to God, God, I think I'll fulfill my itinerary here. And I think I'll go home and retire from the ministry and live my life the rest, whatever I've got left, and there it'll be. And God met me. I was in a room upstairs above the church in Alaska. 
And God met me there. God had healed a person who was insane for 13 years. Totally insane. And, and she, God had healed that lady at a meeting I was at. She was married to a gentleman and it was giving birth to their, their youngest daughter where she lost her mind. And she had seven men in her head and she would go naked down the streets and police would bring her home. All sorts of tragic things happened. That little girl had never known her mother to be sane and her, her husband came from Alaska. And so he used to go back up there and his mother lived there. And this lady was held down and she'd use the most terrible language and fight and everything else when these things were on her. And so when she went back up there totally sane, she impressed that church, not a large church, about 80 people. And the pastor got in touch with me and asked me would I come. So I found myself up in Alaska. And we had a great move of the Spirit there. But still in my heart, I felt I used to walk with the presence of God that was so wonderful to me. And now while I still saw miracles and healings and great things, but that marvelous presence that walked with me for so many years had left. And it devastated me. I just could not bear it. God had every reason to leave, but anyhow, be that as it may. And God gave me a visitation. He came into that room that night, and it was the most wonderful thing. I cried for three days. I'm not a crying sort of individual. I grew up fairly tough, actually. And tears were knocked out of me when I was a young fellow. But I couldn't help it. I just broke and cried. And in fact, the only time I didn't cry was when I got up to preach and when the pastor I was with took me out to lunch or something and God would wonderfully dry my tears up. Otherwise, I just cried and all of the pain of years got washed out and, and God spoke to me and He said, I'll tell you how your mind and your emotions work. And He did. And that's partly in the school of the Spirit. And so I started to practice it. If I can learn a truth, I fasten onto it. I want to know, I want to make that truth work in my life. One of the things he taught me was how to meditate. Meditation had never really turned me on as a marvelous subject. It seemed a bit quiet for me. I was a pretty lively sort of person. But meditation, when you understand it, is one of the most wonderful things in the whole world and will give you years of absolute enjoyment. It will allow you to conquer any character defect you, defect you may have. It will take your relationship from, with God from relationship into intimacy and fellowship. It will turn information into revelation. It will bring the presence of God over you in the most remarkable ways if you practice and I won't speak all about meditation, all I know about it tonight, but even this one part that we'll speak about tonight, if you go home and practice it, it will revolutionize your life. Of that I'm sure. God is building Joshua. Joshua is going to take over, leading about three million people uh, after Moses. Somewhere between two and a half and three and a half million people. There were there. We work out those numbers. There were 600,000 men of war. And so if you work out the, about the numbers, it's around about uh, 3 million, 3.5 million people. And so jo Moses is dead. He's old and he died. Or he went home to heaven. Joshua is here to take his place. And Jesus Christ, in chapter 1 of Joshua, personally trains Joshua. Now to have the Lord personally train somebody means that that material is worth every bit of study. It's worth duplicating in your life. 
for I love him to train me. And it says, verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Wow, what a big promise. But I believe he says the same to you and I. Wherever God tells us I can take, whatever God says to me I can do, I can do it. And whatever he says to you you can do, you can do it. Pakistan, bread for you. Wherever else this church is involved and your outreach is all over the world, you can do it. You can do anything. If God tells you you can do it, you can do it, provided you follow his precepts. He said in verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Plenty tried, but no one could. But the most powerful warriors of the day stood against him, but nobody could stand against him. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. We know that he said that he will never leave us or forsake us. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus promises that. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I used to think, but I can't feel you anywhere near me. Anybody here ever felt that you couldn't feel God near you? Like you've got these wonderful promises, but they didn't seem to be real and not working. Meditation will change it. It'll change it absolutely. And a, a way of looking at the Bible and believing the Bible will change it too. We'll be talking all about this sort of stuff. He says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you'll divide all as an inheritance, etc. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all that we've commanded you. Then verse 8. This book of the law, this book of the ways of God, this book of the principles of Almighty God, this book of the promises shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Meditate in it, that you may observe to do it. So if I meditate in something, I will do it. I will be unable to do it. If I meditate on a changed character, and we'll talk about how to do that, then my character will change. I'll be able to do it. I can become the husband that I always wanted to be, or the father, or the wife, or the mother, or whatever it might be, the friend, the worker. Change from lazy to hardworking. Whatever it might be, whatever issues you face, meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous. And then you'll have good success. So he tells us to meditate day and night. Now, there's not much time left if you do something day and night, 24-7. So whatever God tells you to do 24-7, and he's building here a warrior, a powerful leader, a man to lead three million people, and he tells him to meditate 24-7. God must think it is very high in his time importance for a human being to meditate on the ways of God, how God tells us to do things, who God says, and all this stuff. So, Psalm 1, you listen to this. Shortly we're going to get into it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the way that God tells us to do things. And in His law, He meditates day and night. This man will be blessed, happy to be envied, 
prosperous. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Amazing. All if you meditate 24-7. Even if you meditate half an hour a day, it'll change your life. What is meditation? Now to meditate is to take a truth, any truth from the Word of God. Say you took the truth, Christ in you, a hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. Many other places. John 17.23. Galatians 2.20. Many places. This great truth has told us. Christ has come to live inside of you. Christianity is not just God telling me what to do, but God coming to live in me, to be the source of my life, the source of my strength, my character, and my power. That He's come to offer me Himself living in me, living through me. What an amazing thing. So if Mike Connell was to come and live in me, then I'd become funny like him. Because <laughs> all of his humor would come into me. I'd become Kiwi like him. Because all his Kiwi would be in me. I'd have his, his sense of fun and mischief. And all the rest of us would be in me. Because if he came and lived in me, why then, he'd want to make himself felt. I don't think he'd be as nice as Jesus. He'd insist on making himself felt. <laughs> Jesus said, I'll come and live inside of you. That's huge. If the Son of God would actually come and live inside of me, wow, that would be different. Then his character would come into me. His ability to love people would come into me. If I could then draw on His ability, rather than me having to change to become, I've got the one who already is, all that I ever want to be. His character is all I ever want to be. His strength, His power, is everything I ever want to be. And he said, Clark, I want to be your life. Colossians 3, 4 says, When he who is my life shall appear. So he comes to be my life. Comes to live on the inside of me. I had a really bad temper when I got saved. I just had a bad temper. And I could get mad at the blink of an eye. And real, real mad. So I'd go sort of berserk mad. And I was just angry. I was also very strong when I was young. And I could get furious rage. Just like that. And that's not the way to be a Christian. Being a Christian would have been easy. Except I was daring and the stupid cows weren't helping me. <laughs> I was dipping them and pushing them up the crush to go into the dip. And up until I'd become a Christian, I'd hit them. I wasn't a good dairy farmer. Really, I was very, not a very nice person in some ways, good bloke in other ways. But there you go. Knock around the pub and whatever else. and All that sort of stuff, I was a good bloke. But churches, I didn't have much to do with them. Nothing, actually. So, suddenly to try and change. And I had this idea that now I'm a Christian, now I've got to do this and this and this, and that and that and that, and not do this and this and this and all the rest of it. So I tried to be a Christian, and I made a horrible mess of it. Has anybody here ever tried really hard to be holy? <laughs> hard work being holy. Not to think a wrong thought, say a wrong word, do a wrong act. Especially if you're married 
or if you've got kids, or if you're working hard and, and you're trying to get by, you know, and stuff like that. Really hard to be properly holy. And if you manage to, to go one day, never thought a wrong thought, never said the wrong word, all day I've watched it and I've just been made it perfect. You can stop and think I've got six more days to go and I've made it for one week. <laughs> 52 more weeks and I made it for a year. I'm going to live another 40 years. By goodness, that's a lot of holiness. <laughs> it sort of was all too much. That's how I felt anyhow. I found it really hard trying to be. And I found I didn't have to try to be. Jesus already is holy. And if I really started to understand that this mighty Christ had come to live in me and he'd live his life through me and I could draw out of his life. So I did things like this. I learned to do these things. I was impatient. Anybody here impatient? I was impatient. I hated red lights. Anybody hate red lights? Couldn't stand them. Especially if they turn red just as you're getting up to them. I thought the councils were idiots. They could have computerized them, made them all just go right. But they didn't seem to. And I'd come to a red light, and I'd stop and drum on the wheel. Actually, when this happened, I was going to preach at a church about how to be holy. <laughs> and I was feeling impatient and got to the next one, and I had to go through eight red lights going up Ashley's Bosford Road from my motel to the church. And there I was going. And I just learnt this sort of stuff that I'm talking about. And I said, Jesus, what do you think about this red light? And I felt he was happy inside of me. <laughs> and so I, if you do this, I'll tell you the truth, half a second, you will feel how he feels. He is feeling happy. And I came to the next one. It turned red, sure enough. I said, Jesus, what do you think about this? He felt really happy. By the time I got to church, I was grinning. True. I've never had a problem with red lights from that day to this. Truly. Truly. And could verify that. I, if you start to live out of Him, all of His emotions came into you. He can be asleep in the boat of your life, or you can wake Him up. Jesus, what do you think, like, Anyhow, to meditate. To meditate is to take a truth, a great truth, and to turn it round in your mind and look at it from every possible angle. Like, Jesus, you have come to live inside of me. What will I be like when your love is fully expressed through me? And I love people like you did. How will I be? How will I look at people? How will I think about people? How will I talk about people? And you just let this thing come and the Holy Spirit will start to just give you thoughts and give you ideas. For it's not you ever. It's Him in you. It's Him in you. It's the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, all in there. So how will I be like that? And then to start to think, Holy Spirit, what will it be like when I can sense your prompting more clearly? How will I be when I sense your pleasure with me? What would it be like just to feel that you were pleased with me? Well, it would just be wonderful. It would just be satisfying, fulfilling. God, what would it be like if I felt that you could go with me through this recession they all talk about? What would it feel like, God? God, can you look after me and mine through this recession? Would you be able to do that? Would you be able to provide for me? And what would it be like if I could hear God say, sure, I'm well capable of that. Say, God, would you do that? And I start to give myself to that to give myself wholly to the words coming from the Spirit of God to me, 
to the feelings and the thoughts that come from the Spirit of God to me, to yield myself to them, to train myself to yield to this mighty one who lives in me, this great person. Meditate day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. So this great one is coming with me. And that, Lord, if you're with me while I'm here in Hastings, what will it be like? Why, it'll just be wonderful. God, when I start to pray for people, if your power is just all over me, what will it feel like? Well, I'll just feel great. And I'll feel relaxed and confident knowing that you're going to do it. God, what would it feel like if your power just flowed through me and healed people? Oh, it'd feel wonderful. And all their pain just left forever. Why, it'd feel wonderful. And I can just meditate, muse, ponder, think about these things with God. The word to meditate from Hebrew and Greek, the original language, is translated to think, to ponder, to meditate, to imagine these words. So as I start to imagine Jesus and I just walking through life, Jesus just doing things through me, Jesus' power resting on my life. As I start to imagine people just coming because I build churches. That's what I do. done it for a long time. And I just start to imagine people just coming and people coming and people coming. And, why, it'll be wonderful. Just be wonderful. Just wonderful. People accepting Christ as their Savior and starting a great life. Why, it'll be wonderful learning how to live right, and their homes coming better, families coming together. Why, well, it'll just be wonderful. And if I live in that, in that meditation much of my life, why, that'll be the main part of my life. Our problem is we often live in negativity, in worry, in fear, in what do others think about me. I wonder how I'm going to get by. How am I going to answer that? What the heck am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. And after a while, after worrying for a while, we say a prayer, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Please help me, God. Please help me. But there's no faith in that prayer. It's a better than no prayer at all. But it, if you were to meditate and fill your being with just God in you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. So I sometimes say, God, even if I can't feel you near me, it doesn't matter because you said, and your word is true, that you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. So you're just walking here with me. You're just walking on this road of life with me. What a wonderful thing. If the mighty God is just in me and over me and round about me, if your power is all here round about me, what a wonderful thing that you as an individual can be clothed with the power of God. The Bible says, tarry in Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high. And that word means clothed, just like I've put on these clothes. So God clothes us with himself, and his power comes over us. So I walk along in that power. I meditate on it. And I think to myself, God, your power is going to be all around me tonight. And I've been doing it this afternoon. I'm thinking, God, as I just get near people, your power is going to go on to people. Your power is going to help people. People with problems with negativity and that. You're just going to come over them and take it out of their system and break the very root of that thing out of their heads. And, and people just be free. And in a few days' time, they'll realize, Boy, negativity doesn't have the same hold on me that it used to have. People's lives are happier. I'm clothed with God. So are you. And I meditate on it. So I let it just drift over me all the time. Father, like, I'm just clothed with God. Clothed with God's life and power and God's ability. So are you. And it, but you meditate on it. 
and it, it makes it real. It allows it to be. Your heart, your mind, your whole being gets filled with this amazing thought that God is all over me and God's power just flows off me. I was taking a pastor's and leaders conference at home a couple of years ago. And I was speaking one night and talking about anointings of God and how you move or how I move from one anointing to another anointing, doing this sort of stuff. So I was demonstrating it. And I said, I'm going to let, I'm not playing with God, you can't play with God, but God was enabling me to teach by demonstration. So I said, God, I'm going to move and let the anointing now get all over my skin instead of it being silent and hidden and internal. Just put it all over my skin. And I was describing this and telling the people, this is what I'm doing. I was pastors and leaders there. And so I, I was doing it. And I said now to somebody, come on out here and I'd like you just to put your hand on me. And as soon as he touched me, he went flying backwards. And I said, you see, God is on my skin now. His power's there. And I said to another person, why don't you come out and you just touch me in some way. And they went flying back through the air. The power of God just hit them. And so it was. And different other people just started to run out there and tried to put their hands around me, but they'd crumble on a heap. Am I somebody? Absolutely not. But God had come over me. You see, when he said you'll be endured with power from on high, it's really true. The most amazing thing in the world is the Bible is really true. It's really true. Constantly amazes me. It just amazes me. I believe it's true. But then you just watch God do it. We saw God do all sorts of things in those few days. Just as the power of God grew in intensity and the people and all getting involved with it, it was wonderful. It was transforming. It was just marvelous. And we all went away home. Soon after that, I went to uh, Papua New Guinea. And I was speaking at a conference up there in a church. A fairly large conference, a lot of people there. And there was three pastors standing there. And because it's Papua New Guinea, it's a proper place, and they like wearing suits to church, even though it's stinking hot. Crazy. And I said to him, you mind if I don't wear a suit? He said, oh, here we like to show respect to God. And so we wear a suit. So I had to wear this suit. And I had this coat on. And it was dreadfully hot. Anyhow, we were coming there. And these three men were coming down there. And I was demonstrating God and whatever. And I thought, here's a go. So I took my coat off. And I said, because I've been wearing this coat, the anointing has got all in this coat. And I threw it to those three men, and the three of them went sprawling through the air. And I didn't have to wear a coat anymore that day. <laughs> the anointing of God. I can understand why that dead man went down to Elisha's bones and jumped back to life again. The anointing was in the bones. The anointing can be on your skin. The anointing can be in the look from your eyes. The anointing can be in a wave of your hand. The anointing can be wherever you and God want it to be. The atmosphere of God is no different from me to you, none at all. God's power is the same. Christ is in you. <clears throat> I realized one day, Mike, that the same Holy Spirit that filled Paul lived in me. Same one. Same one lives in you. Same one. Same one lives in you. No different. Therefore, he can do the same things through you. The same one lives in you. Same one. Not ashamed of you. Not ashamed to go home with you tonight and go to bed with you. Not ashamed. Wake up with you in the morning. He never thinks a negative thought. There is no recession ever come to the world but what he believed he couldn't handle it. And if you get into his thought form, <clears throat> instead of this world thought form, sure the recession can be real, but you can ride 
above it in your heart. Didn't say it won't hurt you. But there'll be a greater power that'll lift you up and carry you through. God will help you. God will strengthen you. Keep your mind right. Because where your thoughts go, that's where you go. My thoughts are, my God shall provide all my need according to His riches in glory. Heaven doesn't have a recession. It's okay up there. I just link to that. Somehow, God will help me. How will He help me? I've got a clue. But I don't need to know. I don't need to know that God knows. And He sure does know how to look after you. Meditate day and night in the wonder of God, in the power of God, in the things of God. Now, because we are people, we are spirit beings. You're a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. And so am I. And because we are spirit beings, we do spirit things. Whether we do them right or wrong is the only question. Now, because we are spirits, we meditate. Spirits meditate. Cows chew cuds. Spirits meditate. Just think of a cow. What a blessed creature. Got a few stomachs. So they will wrap their tongue around the grass, rip it off, and here in New Zealand, the grass is that good and green, you could jolly well eat it yourself. Now they need to grow lettuce. Just go and have a feed of grass. Such a beautiful country you've got here. Home, you wouldn't eat that grass. It'd be too dry. Cut your tongue. But anyhow, they chew it up and mix it up with all the gastric juices and get it to a nice bit of slop and swallow it down. Later on, they'd be sitting standing under a shady tree somewhere and they'd go, whoop, whoop, and chew it over again. And then later that day, they swallow it down and gets mixed up with gastric juices and acids and everything else in the stomach and they whoop, whoop, and chew it over again. Swallow it down. Just think if you were a cow and you'd had some steak and salad and beetroot and mashed potato. You'd chomped it all up and swallowed it down, washed it down with a few cups of tea and a bit of Coke maybe. And there was all going in here and then you had some custard and whatever for dessert. And it's all in here and it's going... While you're sitting listening to me, you can go... Chew it over again. Just think the second time it's free. You only pay once. Well, that's what meditation is. You take a truth of God, you chew it up and get the juices out of it and swallow it down into your spirit and driving the car to work, you pull it out of there and chew it over again. Go round and round to Jesus, you live inside of me. What an amazing thing. The one who made New Zealand lives in me. The one who made the oceans here lives inside of me. Made the fish lives in God you made these mountains incredible you live inside of me and God your mind is in me you have the mind of Christ so Lord just let me know some things just don't father I just want to hear you talk to me meditation and you just meditate hours of absolute enjoyment if you like fellowshipping God it is the most Wonderful thing that a human being can do. You flow around in the, whatever truth you're working on at that particular time. Now Psalm 19.14 says this. David was speaking and he said, Let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Now if he prayed that the meditation of his heart would be acceptable, it automatically assumes there must be an unacceptable meditation. Well, what's an unacceptable meditation? Meditation is something you do over and over. Why worry is a meditation. You worry about something. I'll say this and he'll say that and I'll say this and 
He'll say that anyhow he won't come to his senses. He never comes to his senses. He's just an idiot. And it goes round and round in your head and you swallow it down. And later on that day you bring it up and you go over it again. And you just keep going over it and over it and over it. Did you know that you're a home video movie producer? And you make videos. And in these videos you especially remember the ones where things went wrong. And you had a bad time. It was painful. Bad divorce. A hurtful circumstance. Some tragic thing happened. And it goes round and round. Bad relationship. Just goes round and round and round and round and round and round. Then you put it to one side and it comes back and goes round and round again and round and round again. In fact, in the theater of the imaginations of your mind, you watch it throughout the day and for many days. Then lying awake at night time about midnight, you watch it again just in case you missed a bit through the day. You're the star of that video. Nothing ever goes right for you. Poor me. I wonder what some of the titles might be of your home videos that you've got stored in your mind and you pull them out from time to time and watch them. Could be, poor me. And it could be, I was just born under an unlucky star. Could be, everything goes wrong for me. I wonder what some of them are. And you just go round and round and round and round. And round and round and round. Nobody likes me. Nobody talks to me. Something, I wonder what they are. All these videos. I wonder if we dumped those videos, ruined them, and set about building new ones by meditation. God, that you're going to watch over me and you're going to help me and you're going to bring people across my path. I'm going to be a blessing and I'm, I'll be blessed. God, your blessing is all over my life. He's promised that. So I start to meditate it and I start to see it. And in the imaginations of my heart, God and I together, I start to see, God, you're blessing me. You're just blessing me, God. God, you're just blessing me. You're blessing me in the church. And God, do people love each other? And it's a good church. And your presence is there. And God, and you just meditate. For me, because I'm a church builder, I meditate on the presence of God being in the church and the love of God watching over the church and people being happy there, people growing there and lives strong and marriages strong, homes strong, young people excellent, all these things. And so I build the church in the meditations of my heart. All parts of the church. I build my life. I build Anne's and my life together. I build our children. All in the meditation of my heart. It's a wonderful way to live. And if you're occupied with it, as one of your key parts of your life, and you're taking on one part today, and for a week or so you're going to do one part like Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know, the same one lives in you that healed the people in the Gospels. Same one, he lives inside of me tonight. He lives in you. He walked the earth and now he lives in us in the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Same one. Same power. Same ability. Same love. He lives inside of me. And the more I meditate on it, the greater his power is. None of us have arrived. Christianity is a journey. A journey of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And my learning how to let him flow through me. More and more and more and more. If anybody here did just those simple things that I've said tonight. One, it is highly enjoyable. Two, it absolutely works. Three, whatever aspect of character you are working on would change quickly.
very quickly. Within a month, you'd say, wow, look at the difference there is in my life. You just spend half an hour seeing who you are, this new person, just this new person, who I am. Well, I wonder, before we start to flow in the power of God, I wonder, how many of you here have videos that really need dumping? They have never helped you. They never will help you. They really do need just bringing to the cross and dumping there. And then you're saying in your heart, God, I'm going to build some new videos. I'm going to build a life with you in the imaginations of my heart. Is it real to build something in the imagination of your Absolutely. Because I am building truth into its reality in my life. Jesus does live in me. So I am seeing it, feeling it, fleshing out this Jesus. One story and I'm through. We have a man who's now caretaker of our church. And he came to our church the first year of our church. We're working with uh, street men a lot. And we helped a lot. And we had discipleship homes and that for street men. And five of them at the time we had. And these men used to, they're alcoholics, drug addicts, and all sorts of stuff. And this one particular man, and as a boy about 12, he first hit boys' reform school. And from then on, he graduated to juvenile delinquent prisons and then adult prisons. And he was about 45 when we met him. And he slept on the streets and drug addict, alcoholic, and a total criminal background. And he was in this discipleship home, and he and I had become reasonably good mates. And they rang me up one night, and they said, Clark, this guy's cracking. His skin's cracking. He just wants alcohol. So I drove down there to see him, and he was agitated. His eyes were shifty, and you could see he just was breaking for a drink. And I said to him, hey, listen, mate. I said, we're mates. Give us a quarter of an hour of your time. And if you give me a quarter of an hour, and if you do what I ask you to do for a quarter of an hour, if you say you still want to go down, down to the pub, I'll drive you there myself. And uh, so it'll take you more than a quarter of an hour to walk there. If you went now, sure you got nothing to lose. So he said, okay. I said, you've got to do what I want you to do. You've got to give yourself to it. He said, okay. So I led him through an experience. I said, now you've got to give me your imaginations. So first of all, I linked up his imaginations and his emotions. And I said, Greg, I want you to close your eyes and imagine you're going home. Put your hand on the door handle, open the door, walk into your house, and sit down in the most comfortable chair there is in the house you're living in. I said, can you do that? He said, yes. I said, how long did you take? I said, just a second. I said, okay, close the door. Now, I want you to go somewhere where you've been, down the streets where you used to sleep out. I want you to go there and going to camp out there for the night. Can you do that? He said, yes, I can go there. Okay. Now I said, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you now. We're going to see the Lord Jesus standing out about two meters out from you. And in some way, the Holy Spirit will show you Jesus. Mind you, it wouldn't do you harm to practice this too. And just do it tonight. And it, so, he, I mean, I said, can you see him in some way? Yes, he said, I can see. He's like a figure. I said, now I want you to open the, the, your whole life like big doors in your life, just opening, and say, Jesus, come into my life. And so he did that. And I knew by now I was linked up with him, and I knew in the Spirit what was going on, and I was praying in the Spirit that God had helped him. And I said, he's there, isn't he, Greg? He said, yes, he's come in. I said, you know, Jesus is holy. I said, now just close the doors of your life and Jesus is on the inside. So I said, holiness has just walked into you. He said, yeah, I can feel it. I said, what does it feel like? 
said, said it feels all sort of warm and like I haven't got a care in the world. I said, you know, it's absolute holiness is in you now. Perfect love has come into you. Perfect holiness. And he's the Prince of Peace. And I said, if, if Jesus' peace was just to get all over you, what would it feel like? He said, I can feel it. He said, it's all over me. I can feel it. He said, what's it like? He said, it's just tremendous. I can feel it. He opened his eyes and said to the other blokes from the halfway house, he said, this is real, you know. He said, I can really feel it. And after we'd finished that little episode, lasted 10 minutes, I guess, I said, well, Greg, I said, tell me, do you feel like a drink, mate? And he looked at me with shock in his eyes. He said, no. I said, but you really were cracking for one just before. Yeah, but he said, now I've got Jesus in me, haven't I? I said, you don't feel like a drink? I said, what about some heroin, mate? I said, no, I never want to touch it again in my life. I said, why? Well, he said, Jesus is in me, isn't he? He said, it just made me all different on the inside. He said, I can feel it. He's never touched alcohol or drugs from that day to this. He's our caretaker, and there came a day where I gave him a master key. We were on television. We have television equipment in the church. We'd have a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff in that church, 16 computers and all the rest of it. He could take the lot and cash it in if he wanted to. I hand him the master key and I said, Greg, I'd just be so proud to have you as our, our um, camp watchman here and whatever. And his eyes filled with tears. He said, Clark, nobody has ever given me a key to anything before. He said, I've always broken into places. He said, I'll guard this key. And I would trust my life to him. I'd trust my family with him. I'd trust him with my bank account. It was all just through Jesus coming in. Otherwise, tonight, he'd be on the streets, in jails, most likely dead by now. All because Jesus came in and he felt him. What I'm talking about is absolutely real. There's not, no fake at all. Because truth is real. I'm talking about feeling truth. Letting truth own you. Jesus is truth. Giving myself wholly to him. And to whatever he says for me to do, to give myself wholly to it. God calls it meditation. God says to imagine it, to see it, to sense it, to ask yourself this question, what would I be like if the life of Jesus was filling every part of me? If you have trouble with impurity, Jesus doesn't have any impurity in him, none at all. So when you let Jesus come in, and then perfect purity comes into your life, and if ever a desire for impurity should come, you drop down to he who is my life. When he who is my life shall appear, I'll be like him. And in a second, all thoughts of impurity will disappear. And the purity of Jesus Christ will flow through you. You won't want impurity. I know I've done it with men who have been greatly troubled in this way. I've done it to myself. I've, every conceivable aspect of the life of God, I have meditated in my life. And I could say, to the best of my ability, truly, Jesus Christ is the source of my life. When He who is my life shall appear, He doesn't have a bad temper, and I'm glad that nor do I. He doesn't, he is kind, and I believe unkind. If you allow the life of Jesus to fill you, why then the struggle is over. Being holy is not a problem. He is holy 24-7 and quite enjoys it. I live out of his holiness. 
His holiness is coming to me. And holiness now pervades my life. I meditate on it. I think about it. What will it be like when the holiness of Jesus fills every part of my life? Well, it's just wonderful. Just wonderful. And you can do the same. We'll transform you. Of that, I have not the question of doubt. I've done it individually with stacks of people. I've done it collectively with my church on numbers of occasions. I've allowed people to feel all different aspects of God in mass. And then people have stood up and testified for ages of all the wonderful things of the Spirit that they felt and, and experienced as the Spirit of God just moved amongst us. God is so real. God is Spirit. But because He's Spirit, doesn't make Him any less real. The Spirit realm is a powerful realm. This natural realm is less powerful than the realm of the Spirit. So I wonder just before we do anything else, if those of you that have built some negative videos that play in your mind and, and prevent you to a large extent in living the life that you'd want to live in some aspect of your life, if you'd just like to come out here, I'd like to join my faith with yours so that we dump those videos tonight. So for those of you that would like to do that, why don't you come out here, stand along the front, up close to the front, and uh, then I'd just love to join my faith with yours. It won't take but a minute, and we'll just flow along here, and then I want to start to move in the Holy Ghost. And make a line right along the front. If there needs to be two lines, the deacons will help you. But make another line a couple of meters back from the first line. Just letting the Spirit of God... Don't stand right behind anybody. Because the power of God will fall and you don't want anybody hurt. So stand right up close to the front here. The deacons of the church would just help them. And the second line two meters back. That's right, right up close to the front. Just room for me to slip by. That's all I need. That's the way I appreciate that, musicians. You have a wonderful group, musicians, worship group. Just wonderful people. So let me lead you in mass because there's so many of us. I'd like you just to, just to close your eyes and we're going to get in the Spirit. Just become aware of the Spirit of God inside of you. And in your imagination, you can do anything in your imagination. I'd like you to take, if it's of voices that go over and over and all the time, I'd like to take that CD out of your head and scratch it with like a four-inch nail. Scratch it. Then you can put it back in your head it won't play, it'll just go zip, zip, zip. It's ruined. If it's something that keeps going round in your head, like a bad relationship, something of that nature, I want you to take out that DVD and throw it on the floor here. I get to put in a new DVD and start to meditate. When you go home, you'll build a meditation that Jesus and I will walk through life together. And He's filling me. This would be what you'd do. You'd ask this sort of question. Jesus, when your life fills me, I'll be complete. I won't have this desperate need for this other person. I am complete in Him. What would it be like, Lord, when you've made me complete? But I don't need to look at this other thing. If there might be one or two of you that are troubled with pornography or something like that, just take all of that junk and drop it out of your life, leave it on the floor here. Whoever cleans this church will get rid of it. And 
start to build a new video. If you're a man, see a woman of great worth, not as an object to satisfy the baser instincts of your life. But a woman of great worth, if you're a woman, going to see men as potentially mighty men of God, born to carry the Spirit of the living God, and that you as an individual, whichever sex you are, are born for greatness, born to walk with God Almighty, God Almighty to walk inside of you. You're going to go and build a life with God. Spend some time tonight before you go to bed meditating on the wonder that God is in you. God is round about you. What will it feel like, Lord, when I can feel you in my life? Ask that question of the Holy Ghost now. What will it feel like when I can feel you in my life? And I can feel your purity. What will it be like, Lord, when anger no longer rises up in me, but I'm free? Oh, it'll be heady. It'll be luxurious. When I'm no longer wanting to get mad with my wife or the kids or the kids of my husband or something. But I got peace in my heart. God, what would it be like? And start to build some new movies. God, His temperament in you has made you so you no longer get angry. And in, the, in your imagination, face situations that would make you mad. And you're facing them now with God on your own and they've got no power over you. Then face another one and another one and win in it. When you wake up in the morning, do it again. Tomorrow, several times through the day, do it again. Tomorrow night, do it again. Do that every morning, night, through the day for a week. You'll no longer want to get mad. It'll be a thing of the past. If ever it tries to come again, just give it the treatment again. Meditation allows the realm of the Spirit to be real. And you to walk in it. Oh, God is a wonderful person. In my ways, meditate day and night that you may observe to do. If you meditate like this about the things of God and the nature of God, the character of God is in you. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit and its season. His leaf won't wither. And whatever you do will prosper. The blessing of God will just emanate from you. People will want to be around you. Just wholesome good things will come from you. You will be a blessing.